podcast. Uh, starting a new series today. Um, and I, I just finished the summer-long study of the parables. The greatest stories ever told is what I call it. And I actually pulled that out from uh, 2014. Uh, I had taught that once before almost 10 years ago. And uh, I try to always have new content, man. I'm always working to you know, put something the Lord put on my heart. I feel like that's ministerial ethics. And so this one, the treasure test, is something that's a little bit under development. Uh, I, I feel like uh, this is something I'm going to add to in the days to come. And what it really is is about 10 tests that I've had to walk through with my own finances, and I'm sure it has to do things you've walked through. And, and so I want to just go ahead and kick it off uh, with our introductory verse, Matthew chapter 6, and verse 20 and 21, and then I'm going to pray. He said, this is what Jesus said, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. Let's pray. All right, Father, I thank you today for the word of the Lord in our hearts and minds. And I thank you for stirring us up. I thank you for strengthening your people. I thank you for giving us resolve, purpose, peace, and focus in the name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Now, I want to just warn you, I do have a bit of a head cold, which I will attribute to having children. And... Um, if you, if you hear me stop and cough and get water, forgive me. <laughs> a head cold in the summer is much better than a head cold in the winter. Because in the winter, all you can do is sit around and binge watch Netflix. But at least in the summer, you can go on the patio. Come on, somebody. <laughs> all right. I'll never forget a particular day of my life. It's May the 16th, 1998. Maybe you've had a day like that where you just never forget it. May 16th, 1998. And it was the day I rededicated my life to the Lord. Mom and Dad gave me an ultimatum. They said, you can get out of the house and go stay with your friends without your pickup, or you can serve Jesus. And I don't know what it was. I, I, I felt in my heart, it, it, I, I, usually I lied to them, but in this case, it stuck, man. I said, I'm going to follow the Lord. You know, the most amazing thing happened to me that day. I went in to uh, the Laurel Golf Club where I worked at. That's where, you know, Laurel High School students work at the Laurel Golf Club. And that day, I ended up getting like $35 in tips. Now, a good day for a Laurel High School student at the Laurel Golf Club, you might get five bucks, six bucks, 10 bucks. You know, but on that day, I was getting old ladies handing me out ones and twos and fives. And, and I just kind of took it like it was a sign from the Lord, you know, that he was going to be with me. If, if I stuck with him, he would bless me. And it's just something that, that kind of always stuck with me. He, he blessed me in that way. So the treasure test, this series I'm, I'm going to highlight here. Uh, it's really about how money tests you. I don't think anything tests your character quite like money. In fact, that's revealed in the parables Jesus taught. 13 of his 39 parables related in some way, shape, or form to money, whether it's you know, the parable of the uh, you know, shrewd manager and the lost coin or the talents and the minas. And, and so what I want to highlight are 10 financial tests. I'm going to do this in two parts. Part one, uh, this week and then next week or the week following, I'll get to the next five of them. But as I said, these are just personal things I've walked through, and these are things that you have to face in your life as well. And the number 10 is a significant number in the Bible. You know, it's interesting that Israel tested the Lord in the wilderness for 10 days, and, and he wasn't happy about it. Uh, Daniel, he went through 10 days where he was tested, and he did not eat the king's delicacies. It was testing. You can go to Revelation chapter 2 and read about the church at Smyrna, and he, the Lord said, you're going to be put in prison and be t tempted, tested for 10 days. 
And you know, when I think about the times that we're living in, inflation has really hit middle-class people very hard. I mean, I would say the last couple of years have been some of the most difficult, challenging tests that I've been through as a family. I mean, just having to figure out, navigate through it. I know it's affected so many people. So we're living in a time in which you might have experienced some financial tests, but I'm telling you, in the middle of that, God knows how to take care of his people. Isn't that right? So I want to walk through some tests here. I'm starting in Proverbs chapter 3. And, you know, the timing of the series has really come at an opportune time for me. Uh, It is interesting how the Lord does that in my life. I I cannot explain it, but it's like things that he puts in my heart are things that I'll walk through or there's something significant about it for the moment and the time I'm in. Now, I want to read a verse here that my father wrote in the pages of the first Bible he gave me. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, probably you know the verse here. He said, trust, someone say trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. And it says that he shall direct your path, your steps. The first test that I want to highlight for you that I had to walk through is the trust of test, or is the the test of trust. Trust is a test. And I would define trust as you know, a, a firm reliability or tr- in, in truth or ability or strength of someone or something. And, you know, there's another day I'll never forget. It was just uh, like November the 23rd, 2019. I was out working in my garage. And, you know, the garage door had quit working. I was in there and I was, you know, doing my best. I kind of like to figure out things and work on them. So I was putting a new one in and I broke the new thing that I bought. I was so frustrated, man, and, and I had to go get another piece. Now, I, I'm putting it in myself, so I'm saving a little money doing it, but boy, I was mad. I, I was over in the corner of the garage thinking about why I just didn't hire someone to do it, and I heard the Lord speak to me. He didn't always speak to me, but he said something to me in that moment, and what he said just struck my, in my core. You know it's God speaking when it hits you, and he said, uh, you think you can take better care of you than I can, don't you? And uh, I have to tell you, you know, the funny thing about God, it, like, he, he didn't walk around, you know, always just saying ooey-gooey things. And, you know, he, sometimes he just gives you a great rebuke. That <laughs> helps you grow. I, my conscience kicked in. I thought, that is exactly what I'm thinking. So here's the test that I want to kick this off and start with you. It, it's the, that God is going to take care of you and that you can trust him to do that. That is the test. That he's promised to take care of you in the new covenant. Philippians chapter 3 says, My God shall supply all of my need according to his riches in glory. So you and I are partakers of a new covenant. In that covenant, God has said, I will take care of you if you will trust me. He's got riches in glory. That means he's got an unlimited supply. He's got whatever you need in the moment you need it because he's God. He's not limited by anything. God's ability to provide for me is greater than my own ability to provide for my family. And I've quoted the verse. I've said it before. I was reading it all week. Psalm 37 It's what David said. I've been young and now I'm old, but I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. I'm just telling you, I'm kind of, you know, my life experience is similar. I'm 40 and I'm feeling a bit sporty these days. All right. God saw me through all my teenage years. And then he saw me through your 20s. Well, you don't have any money in your 20s. And then you get into your 30s and you got children. And then that's even a struggle in itself. And God saw me through all that. And I, I don't know, I just kind of feel like, man, I'm learning a little bit of how God takes care of me. So I know that he'll take care of me. 
because he loves me. He's got a great love for you. He's got a great love for me. And you know, the thing about that love is just you have to receive it. It's like having children. Children are not stressed out about money. If you say no about something, they'll just go on and keep playing. I mean, they're kind of like, you know, not even worried about it. And that's the way that I like to live my life with the Lord. I want to be, you know, a work ethic. And I do have a budget. And I try to do my best to live by, below my knees and stay on there. And, you know, I also uh, don't gamble, all right? I don't waste my money, all right? I, I've learned a long time ago not to bet on the Denver Broncos anymore, all right? So we don't do any of that. I just know that God is able to take care of me. He, he, he gets me through things. And I trust God for the things that I need him to. I trust that he's going to take care of my family. And so that is the first test I want to highlight. You have to trust that God has got you in the middle of situations. He'll do it. It's what he asks you to do. Now, let let me give you another test. I'm still in Proverbs chapter 3, and I want to go down to the ninth verse, in which the Bible says to honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits, someone say first fruits, of all your increase. He said, so that your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, as I understand scripture, when we have a reference to the first fruits of the first things, it is a reference to the tithe. So let me give you one of the greatest tests that there is, and that is tithing. The test of the tithe. The tithe is called the first portion. It's called the best. And here's the test that you have. It, it, when you give your first to God, when you give the thing that's set apart, that belongs to God, and you give it over to him first. He will bless the rest. And this really is the testament. Before I pay my bills, I write out a tithe check. I've been doing that all my life. I like to put it on a check, not just because I'm an old soul, but because it's intentional. I have it right there. I know what I'm doing. And I want to make sure that the first thing I do goes to God. In fact, this is the only place in the Bible where you're going to find that the Lord asks us to test him with this. Malachi chapter 3. He said, bring the tithes to the storehouse and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour a blessing out for you can't receive. He said, try me in it. Find out if I'm faithful. That's the only time God says, put me to the test is with money. Now, I do know people who get hung up on tithes and, you know, they, they, you know say, well, it's, it's an Old Testament thing. It's not for today. Or, you know, sometimes people feel great condemnation about it if they don't do it. But I'm just telling you, it's not a salvation issue. It really is an issue of the heart. Tithing is a principle. It's not like a command. If you don't tithe, I'm not going to take you to heaven or I'm not going to do this for you. It's this principle of where my priorities are. So Abraham, he gave of the first of his flocks when he had uh, Abel did that. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. Uh, Tithing was commanded under Moses in the law, but under grace, Jesus elevated the standard of righteousness. I mean, I give more than you know, 10%. I, I want to be a blessing to people. That's just as the Lord leads me. And in the New Testament, it says they laid aside on the first day of the week something uh, aside for the Lord to be given. So they had a practice of that first period giving to God from their increase. That's what we read here. If you give to the Lord from your increase and what you're increasing, I, I just know this, my testimony, it, which cannot be taken away from me, is that I come from a family of tithers. And my dad taught us how to tithe. I've tithed my whole life. Uh, you know, I, I have children I've taught to tithe. And where my dad, you know, tithe, I feel like I have reaped the benefits of, man. 
I, I believe tithing has generational benefits that play out for people. I, I've seen it that when you are a tither, and, and, and you, I'm telling you, the Lord knows how to bless your kids, take care of your kids. So if you've got a backslidden you know, nephew, niece of a grandchild, someone who's not walking for the Lord, and, and you put God first with things, he's got a remarkable way of getting a hold of hearts of people. I've seen it over and over again. So my admonition to you is put God first and see what he does with the rest. And I think tithing might be one of the greatest tests that a person goes through. So that, that's why I have it up here at the top. I, I, the top. I trust God, and I'm a tither. Now I want to get to number three, a third test. Proverbs chapter 11. So you're in chapter three, go to chapter 11. And you know, when you establish tithing as a habit in your life, when it's something you do and take joy in and you make it a priority, you know what happens is God starts blessing things. Your vats start overflowing with new wine and, and your barns will be full. And look what, look what Proverbs 11 says, all right? He who trusts in his riches will fall. But I like the poetic prose of the King James Version when it says that the righteous will flourish like foliage. How many of you are interested in flourishing like foliage? Mm. Yeah, what this is called, and I'm, I'm, I'm just preaching from personal experience. This is the test of wealth. Wealth is a test. Trusting in riches is a trap. And, you know, it's called the love of money. Tricky topic for people to handle. First Timothy chapter 6. He's writing about, you know, that the love of money is the root of all evil. And then in verse 17, he commanded those who are rich in the present age not to trust in uncertain riches, but to trust in the living God. So you don't think you're wealthy. I know what you're thinking in your mind. I'm not a wealthy person. Well, if you live in America, you are in the top 5% of the world. And listen, I have had the privilege of going to places the world like India and Pakistan, where they live in conditions that you can't even imagine. So I do hate to break it to you. In the grand scheme of things, the poorest person in the room is one of the richest people in the world. And so in America, we're so blessed. So here's the test when it comes to wealth. Where will you place your trust? Are you going to place your trust in money, or are you going to put your trust in God? I just read Matthew chapter 6, in which the Bible says that where your heart is, that's where your treasures. And a few verses after that, Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said that you can't have trust in money and mammon. Or in God and mammon. That's, that's, a, that's a term for money at the same time. You cannot put your trust in God and you cannot put your trust in money at the same time. It doesn't work like that. Now, I get to share with you personal stories of things I've been through. And, and that's really what the heart of the series comes. I'm 42. I, I have lived long enough to have some things I've gone through. And when I think about this, it's a very personal thing. So you heard me share it. But I went through a time when I was you know, in my early 20s uh, with my uncle. And he, he was in California. And he was a well-known uh, minister, actually, and, and had done really well with his church. And he had a man who was coming around, following him around, and this guy had an incredible investment strategy for him. He said, if you invest your money with me, it will roll over 17 times. He had a document, he put it on paper. And, and by the way, if you don't know that, that's too good to be true. All right? No, nobody and no investment gets money to roll over 17 times over. You, you might get 3 to 6% in the stock market, in real estate, or other investments. That's doing pretty good. 
So my poor uncle, he got caught up with the whole thing. He was going to write a book with the guy. They were going around to other ministers, and, and they were taking money from the Foursquare denomination, from the Assembly of God denomination. I'm not making this up. It's all documented in the LA Times and other places. You can read all about it. To make a long story short, my poor uncle got caught up in what's called as a Ponzi scheme. I mean, he, he, he got totally taken to the cleaners on it. And, you know, I, I, I was there with the Bellflower Hospital in California when he had a breakdown from the whole thing. I mean, it was a traumatic thing. But what I saw in that whole situation being played out in many churches and many different ministries was the love of money at work. I saw it with my eyes. I saw how wealth can become a test for people. And here's some observations that I have made uh, about this test. Sometimes success is a harder test than failure. You realize King David, or excuse me, King Saul, when he became the king, he became a tyrannical leader. He got success, wealth, power, and then he went on a power trip. You know, you think about King David, and he'd been the, the object of Saul's obsession, running around, and yet early on in David's ministry, as soon as he became the king over all Israel, it wasn't shortly after that that he met that woman Bathsheba and had the sin that affected his family. I mean, he, he came into a place of success and immediately he, he was tested with something. Uh, success can change a person's outlook, whether they realize it or not. When I think about, you know, this test of, of you know, wealth, it can be a harder test than poverty. There's a reason 70% of lottery winners file for bankruptcy. There's a reason 78% of pro athletes are broke three years after they've been out of some league. Because right? when poor people get wealthy and haven't learned principles or have a poverty mindset, I'm just telling you, life experiences, it will lead to trouble. And I watch this play out with people. I've seen people who, you know, if they came into some money and it was like they didn't know how to handle it, and, and, and before you know it, they don't feel like they're needed or they don't feel valuable in the family anymore. And suddenly addiction comes in, other problems come in. It's like that just happens when people don't know how to handle money. Yeah. So, Having financial means does not bring peace into your life. It doesn't bring lasting peace. I'll never forget the story I heard about two Scottish brothers. And they were singers, uh, duet singers in a, in a ministry. And they would travel around singing and, and serving the Lord. And one day, oil was discovered on their property. And the one brother stayed with the Lord singing. But the other brother, he never went back to church in his life. And the testimony from one of the men was, you know, what... What poverty could not do, money did do, because wealth became a test. See, what are you going to do with what God has given you? He has given you resources. He's given you things to do. Where are you going to invest it? What are you going to do with the wealth that you have? That is a test you have to answer if you want to experience the best that God has for you in life. Now, I'm going to give you test number four. And we're going to go back to the beginning of the chapter, Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 1. Here's a verse for you. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Now, here is a test for you, financial test. This one has to do with honesty. Honesty is a test. Now, in the Bible days, they didn't have cash like we do today. There was no Federal Reserve to print money out of thin air. They had to mine it from the earth. They had it in coins. And what they would do with the coins is that they would, 
weigh them on scales. That's what the verse is referring to. It's the way that money was managed for thousands of years. They wanted to weigh it and determine it. But do you know what some people did? They didn't have the same kind of weights and measures for everybody else. They had dishonest scales. That way they could, you know, get a little off the top, take a little money. They were not honest about it. And you know what's amazing is this is actually cited in the law, Deuteronomy 25. You read the Bible, you'll find a lot of stuff goes back to the law or other Old Testament verses. So this, the law specifically said not to do that. If you're dealing with money, be honest and ethical in your approach. And this is the test. Is your financial dealing with people honest and ethical? Because, you know, everybody who's ever lived has had to face this test. Whether it's the Walmart self-checkout line or a joint checkbook with your wife. You're going to have to figure out a way to be honest. And I get to share personal. You know, I had a pastor friend, and he was telling us, I didn't get my 990 filled out correctly, and I owe the government a lot of money. And I was laughing. I was like, that clown, you got to know your taxes, right? Well, guess what? I didn't get my 90 filled out either for like six, eight years. And I had to go talk to my accountant. And it turns out we owed the IRS like 20 grand. Now, I could have, if I was smarter, I probably would have walked out of the office right there and thought nothing about it. <laughs> but I am an honest man. So, of course, in that situation, the church who's paying that is, is liable for some of that. And then the rest of it fell on, on myself. And so I, I went there. We took care of it. I was honest and ethical in the approach. And, you know, listen, I was pretty upset. I was near tears. And I remember I got sagely advice from my friend Jim Erickson back there. Where's Jimmy at back there? And Jimmy's, he was a younger man then. He was probably 75, 70 years old. He said, well, Jordan, if you've got to pay the IRS $20,000, look at it this way. At least you're making a dent in the national debt. <laughs> He's being sarcastic. I appreciated that. Because, <laughs> you know, it was, I think he later referred to that as a drop in the bucket, right? Yeah. But I learned from that. I felt like that, that was a test for me on how to handle things with honesty and ethics. And li listen, man, in your life, you're going to have to do that. And sometimes, sometimes you get in churches and guess what? They try to do everything they can to try to stretch things. And I, I've just learned the best approach. That's some great. Where's Pastor Daniel at? Is he, is he in here somewhere? He's over. Yeah, that is an ethical brother. He has influenced me. And, and, and I appreciate the way he does things be, it, with his own life at the church because then you have trust established with people. So here's the test. This is at the heart of the issue, all right? Are you honest with money in your business dealings or in your personal affairs? Or do you lie about money? You know the number one reason people have divorces? is because they fight over money. And I've just seen, I've seen how, you know, money problems and dishonesty can be a great problem. Or, or being honest to your friends. I mean, that might be the reason you're deeply in debt. And you have things that you can't afford. Because you're trying to impress people, and, and the whole thing's a show, none of it's real, and you're struggling in debt. Or here's one you've got to be honest with. The government. I know that hearts to say it. But you know, there is a verse in the book of Romans. It says, pay taxes to whom taxes are due. And Jesus said, you ought to pay to Caesar whom Caesar is due. So it is hard to give taxes to people who squander your money and are some of the worst stewards in the world. But the Bible says to do it. And just in case you didn't know, when I was going through the whole thing, you know, with the IRS and how to pay that, my grandma was encouraging me. She said, oh yeah. She said, I had a... Uh, my brother-in-law, and he was up there in Helena working with me, and he thought that it would be not good to pay taxes to the government either. And guess what? They caught him. 
<laughs> Ruined his life. I'm just telling you, the IRS knows how to find you. They got your address. They can find it. If you're going to lie about it, integrity, because he is a man of integrity. He keeps his word. And when you have integrity and you're honest in your business dealings, it puts God in a spot where he's like, I got you. I will do this because that's how he handles his affairs. So be honest and ethical. Dishonesty always catches up to you. And everybody who's ever lived is going to have to face that test at some point. Now, number five, fifth test. And I'm having you go to Psalm chapter 37. Now, I just discovered this verse. I was you know, studying the topic and reading through things, and this verse blessed me. This is Psalm 37, verse 21. Watch this. He said, the wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous. Who's the righteous? It's you and me up in this room here. The righteous shows mercy and gives. You could say the righteous shows mercy and forgives people. So, Test number five here is the test of mercy. Mercy is a test. And I almost labeled this one as the test of forgiveness. Uh, mercy is compassion or forgiveness. And mercy is shown towards someone who's wronged you. Mercy is shown when it's in your power to strangle them, slap them around, do something to hurt them. But forgiveness is when you overcome that anger. Mercy is when you withhold the punishment that's due them, Right? So let's talk about this test, man. How are you going to treat someone who has wronged you financially? And if you are past the age of 16, I'm telling you, it's happened to you. Whether it's your buddies in high school who want to, in my day, you know, they wanted 65 cents to go down to the vending machine and get some Gardettos and Mountain Dew for breakfast. And you know what? I never did get that 65 cents back. It just, it just happens. Lessons in life for kids. And I, I've seen this take place, man. I've seen people get caught up in investment scams. I've seen people invest money in get-rich-quick schemes that never worked out. I know people who legitimately got deceived by Nigerian emails. That's crazy to me, how, how you could fall for something like that. I had a couple one time at church, and they told me that they had spent all their life savings investing in Iraqi dinars because they said George Bush and Dick Cheney invaded Iraq so that you know, they would be able to assess the Iraqi currency and pay everything off. That's a scam. It was sad to watch. And, of course, the latest one is cryptocurrency. I mean, I, I, people losing money by the thousands, giving it to some kid with no degree, making everything up as he goes. I mean, it, it's a crazy time we're living in. How are you going to treat people who've wronged you? And, again, I, I get to talk about things that I've experienced that, that have made me a better person. And, you know, some of you might know the story. I'm, you know, we got this house we bought from like a hoarder. That thing was destroyed to filthy. And we needed to get some new carpet. And I happened to work with a buddy, of mine, a friend of mine. He was a friend. I kept saying that. Elizabeth would tell me, he's not your friend. But I went over there. I, I gave the man $5,000 for new carpet. And, and you know what his sting was? He was going to Lowe's and he was getting cheap carpet and putting that in people's homes because he didn't have no carpet. Well, anyway, Elizabeth found out, you know, that he might have been doing that. We called down that we had to have it ordered, and uh, he took my money. I mean, I was out five grand. I cried like a baby on that one, I'm just telling you. I was in bed there. I felt so foolish. And you know what's a funny thing? I, I had a dream. That's the way God does it. I had a dream sometime later. I dreamed I met him at Lowe's, and in, in my heart, I was talking to him. I, I, I was, like, not upset because evidently I got through it. I'd forgiven the man. It, it didn't stick with me. So... 
You know, I've had this play out with people. I mean, certainly you've had such... I had a foster kid who used to live in our home one time. He called me on a cold day. He said, hey, I'm on my way to my job out here in Laurel, and I had a bad bald tire, like 225 bucks to tow it. And I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll get you. So I, I, I covered that for him. He promised, I'll pay you back. And, and you know, he had a history of, you know, if he needed something, he'd pay me back. Well, I went to find out where he was at. That dude took off to Oregon. I never did see him again. I looked him up recently. He's in prison. So I don't think that money's coming back. You know, and he promised me, though. You know, and, and then I've had, you know, relatives even, they want to borrow some money for something, a little bit of money, and no problem. Promise to pay it back. Didn't come back. So here's some lessons that I've learned from being lied to on how to handle things. All right, these are tests. Uh, first of all, I have a rule. It's, it's a rule for me. I never let money come between relationships. All right, I just don't do it. And so if I see, you know, my friend who'd taken some money or a relative, I love them. I hug on them. I, I embrace them. Because I want them to feel loved. And what's so insignificant is a couple hundred dollars in the grand scheme of things. I'm just letting you know that that's my frame of reference. I have, it's easy to just to say, listen, brother, I love you. And I don't even think about it. Uh, here's another thing I've learned from being lied to. All right? I am a wiser and more discerning person than I ever used to be. Uh, for starters, I listen to my wife more now. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Women have intuition. But it's funny, you know, have tra- training little children because you got to teach them social cues. My son will go talk to anybody. And sometimes you have to say, ah, don't talk to that one. And don't, and don't take any money from him either. <laughs> uh, <coughs> here's, here's the greatest lesson I've learned about this, right? The greatest lesson I've learned is that I have a debt to pay. And that debt is called sin. And I'm telling you, I'm deep off in it, man. I owe more than the U.S. government owes to China, right? That debt of sin is so real and so deep. And there's no way for me to pay that thing. I mean, nothing. But you know what? I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy. And his name, of course, is Jesus. And he's the only person with the means, the only person of value who could step in and pay that fine. And he did it for me. And he did it for you. And that's, that's the reason why I can extend mercy to people who don't deserve it. Because mercy has been extended to me. So when you accept the gracious offer of his forgiveness at the cross and are forgiven an immense amount of debt, that is how you can extend mercy to someone else. And that's the message of the Bible. That's the message in Jesus' parables. I am grateful for the mercy of the Lord. I don't know where you're at. Maybe this morning you need the mercy of the Lord. Before I go any further, I want to just give you that opportunity. If you have never accepted God's gracious forgiveness, his covering of sin, the fact that you owe and are sentenced to prison without that grace and mercy, where would we be? So I want to make sure you get right with the Lord in your heart. It is the greatest thing to be able to forgive people because mercy has been extended to you. So if you don't know the Lord, you're struggling with pain or frustration, I just want you to put a hand up. And I want to pray with you. I want to pray with people in the room. I see the hand. I see the hand. Yeah. And uh, just do this with me. Just say, Father God, thank you for forgiving me. I want to know you as my father. (laughs) And I want you to change me from the inside out. And I receive your forgiveness of sin. And I thank you for coming into my heart changing me. 
And in the same way, I discovered the goodness of God at a golf course when I was a kid. In that same way, you can discover God's goodness in your life. Man, it's the goodness of God that leads me to repentance. His goodness came to me. The goodness of God uh, is something I discovered in my life. Now I want to I ask you about these tests that people go through. And this is just part one. I mean, there's other things in your life you'll have to go through. Uh, but when I think about trusting God, do, do you really trust He's going to take care of you? Do you really trust He's got you? How are you going to tell? And I'll tell you some of it is because you're so stressed out. Do you know how Americans are so stressed out over money? Like, I, I've traveled to different nations of the world. I'm telling you, Americans are more focused about money than any other people group. They're more stressed out about it. And I, for me, I have been through ups and downs and highs and lows, and I have discovered he always has my back. I trust him. He's got me. I don't have to stress. It's a, it, 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 you know, do you put God first? Do you, why or why not? Is it just not trusting the Lord, not believing that he'll take care of you? But the tithe has been one of the greatest things in my life. It's never too late to start. I know men who started tithing in their 40s and 50s and found that God blessed them even beyond what they could think at that age in life. It's never too late. So it's trusting God, putting him first. Or what are you doing with the wealth that you have? Are you investing it in the right place? Or are you squandering it? And you know how easy it is to squander things these days? I'll tell you what I've discovered that I've been squandering on. This little thing called energy drinks. They're terrible. Yes, Red Bull, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's amazing to me. I might need to pick me up, but those things cost too much money. (laughs) Maybe I should just go to bed sooner. (laughs) You know, it's, it's a funny thing how people will find any excuse to waste money on things, their time, their money, and it just disappears in things that don't matter. Or, or being honest with money, man. Do you pay your bills? Do you keep your commitments? That, that is a measure of honesty, ethics, and I'm telling you, God blesses that. Or demonstrating mercy. Maybe you got unforgiveness because somewhere along the way, someone wronged you. And the question about being wrong is not, well, why did that happen to me? The question is, how am I going to respond? The question is, what am I going to do to keep my heart in the right place? And that could be you this morning. I don't know what tests you've been through. I don't know what things you've walked through or are going through. But I do know that I serve a God in heaven who delights in the prosperity of his servants. That's what he says. He loves to bless his people. And anyone who has a child knows the joy that comes with that. And yet we are the children of God. He loves you with all of his heart. So I, I want to pray the blessing of the Lord over you. You know, and I was thinking this morning, I was just thinking about this. You know, the purpose of tests is when you, when you get through a test, then you're, like, you're able, you're credible, you're authorized, you know, to, to, to move on to the next grade. I was thinking about my father. He was a lawyer from California. He moved here in 1978. He told us never to tell people that we were from California. <laughs> so, but he said he moved here and he said he left California. And you know, the bar exam in California? was 100 pages in 1978. He moved to Montana. He took the bar exam. It was 10 pages. He was very happy about that. But you know what that did? That gave him legal authority. He was licensed as a lawyer in Montana. And I feel like that, that in this church, specifically in your life, I feel like tests that you've been through, God is going to authorize his blessing in your life. He's going to give you more if you'll be faithful with it. I'm telling you, I feel it. It's a strange thing. I feel the Lord 
wants to bless his people, increase you in any way. And, and, and like the scripture says, your beginning might be small. Your latter end is going to greatly increase. And I sense that these recessions and crazy presidents and God still has a way of taking care of his people. Isn't that right? So let's pray. Father, I just thank you this morning for these, these things that you're revealing and bringing us through things. I pray, God, that we would learn how to put you first in everything we do. I pray it would not be hard, but it would be easy to give to you. It would be hard to withhold from you. And we want to put it in your hand. And I pray, Lord, for people who are honest. I pray, Lord, for people who, who may have learned some things from stuff they've been through. They've forgiven people. And they know how to handle things. They understand the purpose to what you've given them. I just pray that you bless and increase that in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Mm, there's going to be oil in our vats. It's going to overflow in our house, in our home. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said... Amen and amen and amen. Amen. Thank you. I had a good time ministering you this morning. But now the fun starts. You know what we're doing right now? We're going to go on down to the river. We're going to have a water baptism. So this, this one, we usually do it on this side of the bridge. Today we're going to go on the other side of the bridge, across the bridge, to the fishing access. We were trying to figure out where the streams go. So we're going across the bridge. It's easier access if you want to walk down over there. And I can't resist for my favorite joke about this, all right? Yeah, you heard about the preacher who said if he had all the women in the world, he would go down and throw in the river. If he had all the booze in the world, he would go throw them in the river. And if I had all the money in the world, he said, I would go down and throw it in the river. And then the song leader got up and said, let's open up our hymnals to page 147, that famous song, Shall We Gather at the River? So <laughs> that is where we're going to gather at the river <laughs> and see your sins washed away. It's not too late to get baptized. You can sign up out there. Not sign up. It's time. Get your clothes on. Come down and join us. Watch people get baptized. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be, we'll be starting here at about uh, probably 1130 when we get down there. So come on down in the next 15, 20 minutes. We'll hurry and get down there. I sure love you all. <laughs>